The Aces Go Places series headed into its fourth part with profit as wins in its sales, assigning Ringo Lam for the big budget, big scope production shot on international locations. Uh, for this series, Aces Go Places, that is, things turn real and violent all of a sudden. A valid part that gels and merge with what's been, been set up before. Let's find out. I'm Kenny with me is Tom KW, and this is the director's series on Ringo Lam's Aces Go Places 4. So welcome back for the second episode covering the career of Ringo Lamb. In the first episode we uh, went to town and sort of covered three movies and uh, within the body of Podcast on Fire we've done these two Ringo Lamb movies, maybe three. So the coverage is partly started. And the coverage is going to be plentiful in this uh, series as we aim to cover three movies per episode slash maybe lookbacks on the movies we've covered in Podcast on Fire. Uh, so it's uh, therefore moving fast, this uh, examination of uh, Ringo Lam, moving back and forth uh, and uh, upwards, sideways, sideways and what have you. But uh, we're at Aces Go Places 4 from 1986 and uh, as I said, Tom KW is uh, here with me. So say hi and uh, what's your favorite Aces Go Places movie? Go. <sighs> Aces Go Places 6. Is my favorite. You mean 97 Aces Go Places? Yeah, that was the best one. That was <laughs> clearly the best one of the series. I thought the energy was kind of really high uh, and it was original. And Alan Tan was funny as heck. <laughs> he a laugh a minute. Did you ever see that? Because, you know, with 97 Aces Go Places, it's clearly one that was concocted and sort of made into one. In post-production, mm. if you look at the movie, there's nothing that says they were making an updated one. Yeah, I've seen bits of it and have no real desire to sit there for the whole thing. Life's a bit too short, to be honest. I can only recommend it for a few minutes worth of like, yeah, Tony and Alan has some fun banter, and uh, Tony Lung is the drunken master with two guns instead. That's... Uh, okay. And, <laughs> and, and Exactly, lol. And Francis mm, is sort of uh, cartoony every now and then. And again, that's like five minutes out of the rest. And, and then you have the rest. So, Dude, uh, how'd you waste that cast, man? That's a pretty decent cast. I mean, you know, Alan aside. I mean, Christy came out um, shining the most. Christy Chung, because of the action she performs. But um, it's not enough to save a movie. And it's certainly like, where's Aces Go Places? Oh, they updated the theme. Well, big whoop. So it's not a dark drama on the uh, post-handover? No, not really. Not really. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, I've heard you quote five as your favorite, if we're being serious here. The terracotta hit. I think the series gets better as it progresses. Yeah, I think it does definitely reach a peak with four. But five, yeah, I like I like four and five, to be honest, when the best. Yeah, kind of the same. Depends. Catch me on a different day. I might say, uh, you know, four, I might say five. But I think these are definitely the best of the series, these next two. You get different responses from people, which is very cool. A lot of people like these movies, and they rank them differently. For me, it's uh, sometimes it's like one, two, four, three, five, right? Mm. Some days it's one, two, three, four, five, because I have this memory of watching Aces Go Places three, 
and being happy that Sylvia Chang was back in full force, whereas yeah. she was l- really neglected for part two, which is fun on its mm. own. Because I love Sylvia so much, and she's really fun. She she is that she she's the tree. It is the, these movies. Um, they they should have a trio, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm 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 but but one and two and uh, one one can never be touched because of its freshness, uh, in my opinion. But, uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, maybe drop that into a discussion. But uh, nevertheless, we're here to uh, review Asesco Places 4 and some other bits and bobs. Uh, uh, before that, uh, we'll get to that rundown in a little bit. But some brief contact information, first of all. Uh, you have uh, this uh, network of shows on podcastonfire.com called the Podcast on Fire Network. So if you're into Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, Slicer cinema, or films with ninjas in them, or even films with commentaries on them, we got some of those, so uh, you can uh, pick and choose over there, and I hope you find something that you like. Uh, you have handy buttons to our various social media at the top of our uh, website, so uh, hit us up on, on the various uh, social media, and leave a like and support and interact with us. If you have any questions or feedback, yeah, our email is podcastonfire at googlemail.com, and I write about a variety of uh, Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies, uh, uh, questionable uh, questionable in uh, content and therefore my taste is questionable but hey that's what but I not do. questionable in talent that's that's to be that's to be said well 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 the people in the movies are talented yes oh no I mean you can I was definitely going for an uh, ass kiss there but you just completely missed it so I whatever I won't do it again then I won't try again try to get some score some brownie points I'm not good with these uh, signals you know that you coming on to me <laughs> I'm calling the cops now because he was inappropriate. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, I do. I, I review a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over at SoGoodReviews.com. A video review also at SleazyKVideo.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, of course, and stream us on Stitcher Radio. And uh, Tom has a little uh, review archive over at the review and new site, vcinemashow.com. So check out his stuff as well. We'll link to it. Thanks for that, mate. For that. Absolutely. Uh, rundown. I said we have some, some things coming up here. It's not just the review of Asisco Places 4, but um, uh, we have a few sections coming up. And uh, we'll still manage to squeeze in views on, what is it? Uh, five films. Films. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. We're doing something about films. <laughs> so, there's something about films contained within the, the pages, so to say, of this uh, podcast. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, si- since there are full episodes on the following movies already as part of the podcast on fire um, uh, sessions the episodes will merely do brief lookbacks on city on fire and wild search and you'll obviously find those links in the show post for the full discussions what follows after that are quick takes on undeclared war and touch and go and we'll fill you in what those movies are about and uh, sort of what the context is in terms of uh, where they are in the ringo's career and that is then followed by a uh, with a biography on um, Aces Go Places for lead and uh, all-round creative um, creative uh, man, producer and writer, Karl Macker. And we conclude this episode with our review of Aces Go Places 4, You Only Die Twice. So, so yes, we'll be jumping all over the place in terms of production years, and uh, that'll be a theme for the series, I think, uh, in our uh, effort to uh, cover as much as uh, possible and track progress or even lack of progress, depending on uh, your views on the director and uh, certain of his films. Thank God we don't cover like Chang Che. That would be like hundred movies. Bit long. Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite a bit long to be so, honest. Like, yeah. uh, let's cover twelve this episode. Like quick, quick <laughs> takes on uh, like uh, Shaolin Temple. Go. Quick takes on the One on Swordsman. Go. We're done. Like we have you no think, more time. I think you'd have to put me as permanent staff rather than freelance if we we're going to do uh, Chang Che. To be honest, <laughs> I want to be on the payroll. Finally, honestly, I hear that Poff money is pretty good. 
Where have you heard that? And where is that money? Let's take a very brief look back on two of Ringo's movies, City on Fire and Wild Search. As I said, we've done full discussions. I don't think you did the Wild Search discussion, but we've done full discussions, so we're merely going to throw out some quick bite-sized opinions of these movies. So, City on Fire, Tom, yay or nay for that 1987 crime thriller? Uh, massive, yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think we've probably spoke about it before. How could we have not spoke about it before on the show? You know, one of the best shining examples of of, of the Hong Kong crime film. One of the best examples of a uh, Hong Kong neo noir. Just you know, fantastic setting, uh, fantastic acting from from the whole cast. The directions, you know, fantastic. Um, Ringo kind of really finds his voice with that film and kind of starts his little niche that he would create for himself uh with that film uh and the films kind of following that is is dark gritty crime tales and arguably you know chan fad's best performance uh, you know but maybe not his best film but his best performance I, I, I don't know i don't know so many to choose from and i i, I agree i mean it's fairly excellent gritty painfully violent undercover cop drama that signaled the you know the year and uh, the movie where ringo became the Ringo Lamb. He was meant to be, really. I mean, these thoughts, I don't think, were someone else's. I think this, you know, came from him. So this uh, punishing sense to an aspect to violence and uh, and, and action. Uh, like a wonderful vision, uh, visionary really came to, uh, to the forefront here. And it was cool to have him on the same block and within the same production company studio, uh, Cinema City, that also housed John Woo. So uh, it was like a nice uh, counterbalance, even though no one, no one was looking for a counterbalance. It was just, um, it just happened that way. Um, so it was a counterpart to uh, John Woo's ballet, and um, like I, like I love having and re-experiencing classic, classic films and classic filmmakers of this kind working in the golden era. And uh, it certainly has only become better over the years. I think it doesn't feel like a movie that's uh, dating itself or anything. No, I'd agree, I'd agree, man. Yeah, and I think we've said before, I think we said in the last episode that the darkness was kind of coming through and it especially comes out a bit here with uh, Ace Go Places 4 and then it kind of finally kind of brings his own voice to proceedings, really. Um, you know, a unique voice uh, in that late 80s period of Hong Kong cinema. So, yeah, I think it's rightfully, you know, deserved classic, man. And uh, jumping ahead, uh, jumping ahead like two movies, I think. Um, a Wild Search, his uh, supposed uh, retelling, remake, or riffing on uh, Peter Weir's uh, Harrison Ford vehicle, Witness. Uh, so, what do you think in short of uh, Wild Search? Been a bit since uh, I've seen it, and if I was a good podcast, I probably would have given it a rewatch before we did this episode. But obviously, I'm not. So, <laughs> but... notice the silent. I'm not giving him anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's it's a unique film in that I think it's a bit more tender than it, the kind of films surrounding it. I think it's got a real, you know, shines a really good light on the relationship between Chang Fat's character and uh, Xiao Chung's character. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a bit kind of, it's still got that grittiness, that violence. You've got, you know, Wu Chung kind of, you know, just chewing scenery, eating it up. Uh, you know, that kind of red hot kind of madness. Yeah, which is the only flaw of the film, I think, that as good as Roy Chung is and is, that is uh, sort of uh, standard, wild, and gotta have revenge, uh, bloodthirsty villain, uh, in a movie that really favors um, realism, um, rather than um, over-the-top violence. I mean, uh, Roy, that Roy would be at home in a 
in a school on fire, certainly in a full contact, you know what I mean, where everything is larger than life. And um, so, But I'm, I am not taken out of the movie when I watch Roy. I just recognize that someone is bigger compared to what Chai and Fat and Cher Jung is doing. Yeah, completely. It's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of an odd blend, but I think you know that's Hong Kong cinema, right? It's that it's that kind of that big leap from that hard edged violence and you know things on fire and people shouting and desperation to yeah, real kind of tender you know, tender moments between the, the the two leads. So yeah, I think it's quite underrated in his in his filmography. It concentrates on you know um, a relationship with the female, a kind of female kind of has a voice in one of his films. Not saying that they don't in the rest of his films, but obviously he makes very masculine, very male orientated films, relationships between men, you know, much like John Woo does, uh, obviously different, got his own voice in that regard. But I think it's it's the first time that there's kind of a, a nice, you know, look into a, a relationship, a kind of equal billing between the two leads, if you know what I mean. Yeah, to- totally. I mean, and it also sort of um, doesn't go down traditional romantic routes. Um uh, and and I'll she'll stay for a record. It, it, for the record, it, it is my favorite Ringo Lam movie, and uh, he was a director we know that worked with a particular set of um, skills and mood, uh, particularly dark and angry ones. But here he proves adept at mixing that because it is a violent movie, but with natural, sweet, possible romance, which is it's more mature choice. It isn't. It's possibly not going to happen. So the romance is not done according to template, but uh, rather Ringo develops the Chai Fat, Cherry Chung Bond very logically and quite wonderfully, and uh, makes it all more real, uh, uh, but also cinematic and sweet merges with the dark, and the violence is felt, even though Roy Chung's act is a little bit uh, over the top, but uh, he brings an intensity that uh, is quite unmatched, though, so no, no real flaw to his performance, that's someone's choice. And I mean, you gotta you, you gotta put that on Ringo a little bit, but it still is not truly a flaw. Uh, it's just something I noticed. But anyway, uh, those are quick lookbacks, and we still have quick takes to go. But maybe we'll go for a few minutes more on each, and uh, we uh, jump a little bit forward in the timeline, as I've said many times. And this includes our chosen quick takes for this episode. The first one from 1990 is Ringo Lam's real first stab at international stardom, but it really came from Cinema City, wanting to break out in an international fashion. They employed international talent, and Asus Go Places certainly represented this uh, way of getting noticed internationally while also still making your local action comedy. So it wasn't foreign to them. But that is all a way of saying that uh, we're going to talk briefly of Undeclared War from... 1990, and we're not going to do a plot synopsis as such, uh, so let's just run through it and uh, talk of a little bit of how we feel about these movies. So, Tom, in uh, short, uh, what is your feelings on Undeclared War, his part um, Chinese-English uh, venture? Yeah, it was um first time watching this. I, dude, I think this was fantastic. Well, well not really, but <laughs> I, had it, I, had it, I personally had a great time with it. Which is all fair. Like, So it can be fantastic. If you have a good time, yeah. of course it can be fantastic, man. Oh man, definitely. Yeah, it's all. Um, you know, I think you can enjoy something uh, that's that's maybe not of amazing quality, but it's just something about it that that, that, that does it for me. And I think it's you know a great mix of locations and um, you know Danny Lee in sync and sound performing in English. It's it's just got a lot of unique characteristics to it, and I think that's really kind of what kept me going. Was like, oh, this is very interesting. I think maybe if it was just another film. 
you know, done in Cantonese, uh, you know, you're one of the mill cast, maybe I wouldn't find it as interesting, but because we've got this international cast and, you know, we go, we've got Vernon Wells, it's, 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 you know, it's fantastic. I, I think it's a name that people don't connect to a face. So quote the movie that springs to mind that he stars in. Oh, Commando, uh, Mad Max 2, Weird Science. The guy's, you know, been in some, yeah, fantastic films, always bringing the high end. And he's the uh, Freddie Mercury looking villain in Commando, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does that on the side. Uh, it wasn't paying the bills, so uh, he had to go into the uh, the acting game. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's obviously Wes in uh, Mad Max 2. Because I don't remember Undeclared War with, with, with him coming at us with a thick. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Rushworth, uh, Victoria, Australia, yeah. So I think he, you know, he's, it's, I think he maybe reels it in a bit. Um, I've heard him speak in interviews and stuff, and maybe he's a bit more Aussie there, so I think maybe he kind of reels it in a bit. But he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he made some fantastic films on his filmography, and it was just really good. So he plays these, like, you know, ridiculous, kind of just outrageous, but, like, amazing, you know, high-energy villains. Well, based on the two movies I remember him from, of course I've seen Mad Max too, but it's been ages, so I, I, I mean, I remember it as a stunt showcase, not this uh, look at all those actors and uh, what their faces are like, you know, I don't remember that as such. But, uh, you, you know, based on Commando and Undeclared War, that's like a chameleon act in going on right there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, here? yeah. I mean, huh. We just the chameleon act in this film, doesn't he? Like... Yeah, very much so, yes. Um, do, do, do you think it uh, deserved more? Because this was a f- big flop. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, maybe. I, you know, I, I really think that I definitely think it, it needs to be maybe seen more. And, and, you know, it's not really one that's that's talked about. Um, but I think it has got a lot going against it. You know, there is some stuff that's a bit, you know, awkward. And, and it's some kind of you know, it's a hilarious kind of Hong Kong versus USA, you know, conflict. And I, I, yeah, I think there is a few issues that kind of hold it back some of the acting from the cast and and obviously it's, it's going to be difficult there's a bit of a struggle there um especially with dan lee performing in english even though i enjoyed it as well 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 his english is impeccable but it's a matter of these guys him and tommy wong certainly rosamund who I, do, who I do think actually does the best in terms of delivering english yeah. in with inflection and with uh, meaning but i think danny and tommy were definitely not used to this so it comes off a bit flat it just comes off with the wrong pronunciation in the, you know, the right, the, sorry, the, the pronunciation just in the wrong parts. Uh, you know, it, it almost feels like phonetically and, and may have some understanding as to what he's saying. But obviously, yeah, it's delivered without kind of full understanding of it. But Because Hong Kong movies don't uh, prep with, uh, you know, let's do a voice coaching for six months and then do this movie. It's more of like, uh, do you like this? Well, I kind of like it. Well, you're a cost. That's, uh, and, uh, you, you, speak, you, you speak English fairly well. Yeah, yeah, well, then you're deaf or cost. Uh, can you say, like, you sound like you're Mr. George Bullshit. I can do that. Well, Tommy Wong, you're in as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, so, I mean it, it comes with those uh, flaws. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch, but uh, I lean more towards it being uh, this curiosity that if you're interested in Hong Kong cinema, what it tries to do internationally and how it tries to evolve, then definitely see it. But I don't think it's a particularly memorable film i mean it is international and proud and is a big step up technically for hong kong cinema and it works outside of the box a little bit cinema city had been doing that for well over a decade which is great and it's not forced big necessarily 
I'm taking out of certain moments, like uh, squibs are not bloody and like uh, thick, they're puffy for some reason. Yeah, like, they they are, they exp- they, you get Metal Gear Solid blood, don't you? Like, I don't know what that was about. Like they do it many times in the movie. I don't, is that a stylish choice of having blood not being uh, being liquid, but rather puffs of smoke? Yeah. Because there, there, there's a violent assassination scene in a, in a church where that just reigns supreme. And I was sort of, I, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I was taken out of the movie because... It's looked like a technical flaw for some reason. Mm. I don't know, mm. uh, but but yeah, Cinema City and even DMB they were brave at this time. They were trying to stretch, and unfortunately, didn't pay off anything. But some of the proof uh, is uh, there's some positives to take away from it. Their choices, and of course, again, it's in sound, not just for English. So uh, some dub lines here and there, but obviously the performers do it all. Uh, live for all intents and purposes uh, and and Danny's voice you've never really heard him post dub because I, I don't think he dubbed himself uh, very much because his voice is um, it's like this almost adorable light voice <laughs> it's a little bit hoarse his voice you know what I mean mm. uh, but his grasp of English is uh, very good and uh, he's simply not used to deliver, delivering in English so that's why uh, it seems a little bit uh, awkward but um, he's uh, otherwise he's in this uh, element uh, he, he's better with um, I mean, I don't mean this in, in a bad way, but he's better when he isn't uh, doing multiple sentences at once. You know what I mean? Like, he's better with short, yeah, shorter yeah. lines here and there and then back and forth Chinese-English. Um, but uh, the funeral parlor, maybe not a church, but a funeral parlor assassination sequence, that has decent violence despite. You know, Ringo is present. There's some gritty real violence here. And uh, there's a corpse run over in the street that uh, drops out of a coffin, which is like, jeez, okay, we're getting <laughs> real here. And uh, Rosamund Kwan, I think, speaks splendid English. And is, um, I, I've, I've heard her do that before in um, Once Upon a Time in China and, in Amer- and America. Yeah, yeah. Which was shot in uh, Sing Sound Mandarin and English. And uh, she flips back and forth really well. So I quite like her, and um, the pyrotechnics uh, in the street looks excellent and feels very real. So yes, it's still a Ringo movie, but it is a basic B-movie story when all is said and done. You know, we're not mm. kidding ourselves. It's a standard mix of, um, but it's a mix of worlds that I enjoy. You know, it's a cool feel that they went for. They went for international feel and a Hong Kong feel. I think it's I think it's doing what you know Jackie kind of started doing around the same time and obviously did a, kind of did more of and kind of took it to the extreme in terms of late 90s with kind of making it a bit more international and casting kind of westerners and it's doing it you know uh, years before the kind of the big breakout films that did that so for sure I, and even Jackie's movies weren't uh, weren't uh, peppered with like uh, thespians or anything <laughs> you yeah know? you're seven years down the line and it, you know you still kind of run into the same problems with it and it's just having those kind of uh, you know the cast members that speak different languages and kind of trying to get it all to run smoothly together which has got to be a difficult task and I think you know for this I commend it it's it's again it's not it's not high art but you know who wants who wants to watch that <laughs> you know I think it's it's a perfectly you know enjoyable B movie and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it a lot I'd agree I mean it's a perfectly enjoyable B movie that doesn't stay with me as such uh, but uh, mm. I do enjoy that uh, and praise it for um, it stays on story target even if it gets a little bit yeah. uneventful it stays on story target and, and I could imagine it as a decent and forgettable rental at the time if I ever saw it yeah, uh, you yeah, know yeah. Uh, yeah. I thoroughly enjoy that we get some uh, IFD uh, and Filmark uh, <laughs> westerners in this movie including uh, Jonathan Iskar 
uh, Mark King, but uh, an almost mute, which is criminal, but it works. An almost <laughs> mute Stuart Smith turns up, and I is he think grimacing or not, or? <laughs> he is um, he's wonderful. Like he, he's he's he doesn't have a lot of lines, so you think it's it, they're going for the mute, um, dangerous henchman, right? Mm. And uh, when you hear his voice, I mean, it's a wonderful Australian accent. But in IFD's movies, you're used to him adhering to Godfrey's uh, direction, which is more acting. I can't see you acting more acting. Here is like, oh, someone reeled Stuart Smith in. Hello, big boy. <laughs> you look different. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was really great because I love his face and, um, and uh, of course, his voice. But uh, I, I like the design that for half a performance, they're going for a mute, um, you know, a second in command kind of thing. We forgot to mention, dude. We get we we get Vernon Wells dressed as an old Chinese man in in <laughs> in the declared war. Can we just let people know so that's a, a selling point? I mean, it's it's fantastic. I don't remember the image as such. Was it? You know, it's been a while, so. Uh, but there, was it an actual good makeup job or laughable? Semi terrible, but I enjoyed it immensely. Did he did he dress in a straw straw hat and uh, and a thin beard and stuff? No, it was no, it wasn't a breakfast at Tiffany. Ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> you know, oh, cringe. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, man. It was uh, it was tasteful but hilarious, I think. And uh, of course, we could just name drop, of course, that uh, Olivia Hussey um, co-stars in the movie as well. Oh, so you, you get you get one, uh, you get uh, Felix Leiter in it as well, man. David Hudson shows up. Oh, really? The, I actually beginning. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And uh, Libby Hussey, by the way, uh, Turkey Shoot and The It are the only two things I remember her from, for some reason. Let's uh, move on from it and uh, uh, they'll talk about Touch and Go from 1991, a.k.a. Point of No Return. Uh, but anyway, uh, Point of No Return, a.k.a. Touch and Go, is uh, Ringo Lamb's movie starring Sam Hoon, Which is a new little venture that you don't expect. Uh, so, uh, in, in short, what do you want to say about Touch and Go? It's solid, but but disappointing, I think. It's a disappointing collaboration overall, but we do get some fantastic action. It's definitely second tier Ringo and Samo. It's solid, but again, I think probably like this, it's enjoyable at the time, but I think it's just the styles kind of don't merge as well as they probably should do. Would you say this is uh, Ringo trying to make a Ringo movie starring Samo or Ringo trying to make a Samo movie starring Samo? I think it's a blend of both, and that's why doesn't quite work maybe i think it's trying to kind of get samo's uh you know kind of wham bam comedic action into uh the backdrop of a ringo film which is difficult and there's times internally yeah it didn't quite stand right and i I just think to be honest again it's, it's just a bit generic to be honest in spots um doesn't quite stand out but i think it's interesting for what it is and it's solid you could definitely do a lot worse than it I, I kind of like it more than you do. I, I think it's a good, but uh, a movie that doesn't uh, further Ringo Land's voice. Uh, uh, so it's a good, if not classic, effort from Ringo. And I actually think uh, the collaboration works very well because Sammo is uh, playing an everyday man that, yes, is actionable, but he's uh, not uh, playing, you know, the pedicab driver character or playing anything from that is him being the ultimate and the best at everything concerning action, mm. you know what I mean? And I think it's worth sitting through. Of course, uh, Lamb made his name, as we've said, making gritty thrillers. Sam himself could churn out some hard-hitting action and damage, of course. And uh, arguably the story doesn't logically warrant this, but it's fun to see Sam cut loose, uh, even though he's an everyday man that witnesses this murder. 
as a Hong Kong cinema action piece, it's not a far-fetched prospect. You can get on board with that story. Uh, the Ringo Lam-esque mood is there. It's almost a cliche at this point. It's lit in blue. It's complete with a saxophone soundtrack, a la City on Fire and Bloody Violence. But in a way, it's disposable, but it's almost comfort viewing for me. Sam, I think... Really, I mean, it's not something that calls for like award-winning acting, but I think Samo, because he is a fantastic actor, does really well for himself playing, uh, portraying the ordinary man with a little bit of ass kicking in him, who's reluctant to step to help out uh, the law, you know, when there's no hope or safety net for people like him who witnesses a murder. Again, not a big social commentary, but that's the story beats. So the hopelessness that ran through School on Fire, I mean, it pops up here, but it's more basic mm. and uh, less angry. This is more. Uh, a genre set piece with some violent set pieces like Vincent Wan who plays the cop versus Tommy Wong who plays a bad guy this time around you know, they do some good action together and um, but but it does venture into far more comedy than I personally needed uh, I, I do agree on that I, you know I guess I wanted full darkness because the movie sort of set it set itself up like that and it's not always that that's charming yeah i think it, i think it could have it could have worked if it was like that because as you said i think sam was a good enough actor to carry a kind of a straightforward um you know kind of a, a dark agree thriller um you know with the, with the action a bit more in the background um you know i mean I, you know jackie did it with, with a crime story you know kind of something similar to that i think that you know works a bit better in, in that regard um i think it's 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 always a problem when you've got two big figures who are well known for kind of two different, completely different styles coming together and trying to kind of work it all out. But yeah, it's solid. And I agree that so there is some fantastic action in it. Um, I think soundtrack's a bit weird. It's a bit strange and a bit unsuited to what's going on with the film. That's the one thing I, I took from it. Like this, this last viewing was, yeah, that soundtrack's a bit weird. It kind of sticks out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always that, uh, that aspect is, uh, is honed even in professional movies uh sometimes the way they layer in soundtracks and uh, i remember when we did the melodrama season um, there, there were certain scenes with that had a beat and a pace and the music did not match that at all it was not like they put uh, you know uh you know blast beats on the soundtrack but it's you know it was people talking calm calmly and the music going on in the background was ever so slightly too fast for mm. so you were sort of like hey wait wait it's no slow slow down someone slow down someone get yeah, it right it just takes you out of, yeah. the, of the film to be honest yeah it just makes you kind of realize you, it, it, you know what it is it's almost like it makes you realize you're watching a film bizarrely it's like when music's good it's kind of like it just flows and it fits and it kind of takes you out of bits so that doesn't fit together and you start actually thinking about you know, some dude composing the music behind the scenes, and really, it's it's it just should fit kind of all together as you know, coherent piece. Uh, you know, when it's good. I I, I can imagine this sort of uh, drowning in the Ringoland filmography, but it is quite solid, and I was surprised by this reviewing that I enjoyed it as much as I did because I thought the uh, the violent aspect uh, sort of hit home, uh, and uh, Tommy Wong playing uber evil is uh, a fun thing but tommy who's often in ringo's movies he could do it all he's a partner of giant fats in wild search and he's very very funny uh very endearingly funny like he can't kick in a door at the beginning of the movie they keep on kicking that door kicking that door <laughs> so uh but but it's not he's not a klutz where this the movie turns clownish or anything it's just that which speaks to tommy's skill i think yeah, so it's 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 you know it's Samo, it's, it's Ringo, it's you know it is it's comfort food and it, it's solid and it, it's got great aspects of both their characters and their look, or their their way of approaching filmmaking. But I just think it doesn't kind of all come together, which is a bit disappointing. But 
you know, it, it, it's good, man. It, 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 it's good for what it is. Uh, so let's move over to the main section that concerns the main event. Uh, we have no jingle for it, but uh, it is the main event. Uh, number we, should, we should, though. We should look well, into that. We'll start composing good. shit. I'm only good at... Uh, er- Make sure it syncs up, though. <laughs> exactly. Well, 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 I'm only good at... Um, uh, editing audio, I'm not good with uh, putting together like uh, uh, audiovisual stuff. I think you'd yeah, you have a good go at it, Ken. Honestly, I think some of those beats that you've been making in the dungeon, um, they, I think you, they, it's time for the public to hear. It them, almost mate. sounded like you were talking like almost a dun, like like you said the dun, dun, the dungeon. No, 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 nineteen, nineteen. Right, buddy. Aces go places four. We're gonna talk of and uh, some uh, one player connected uh, really closely to it. But uh, this movie is from 1986, and the plot extracted from the Forest Films review of the film goes as follows: uh, Whereas the previous Aces films were centered uh, around missing gems, four focuses on one very special energy prism. Uh, when processed in a certain machine, the crystal can turn the average man in the street into a superman. I have no idea how this works. It just does. <laughs> and naturally, science. this science naturally this in uh, arouses interest in the uh, of the underworld, and in particular the character played by Ronald Lacey, and which is a near reprisal of his Raiders of the Lost Ark role as uh, Major Arnold Tot, who gets a uh, you know he, he gets a. a a burn in the middle of his hand, you know, and he, uh, and he has some stuff happen to him at the end of that film. Anyway, uh, once again, Sam or King Kong in some versions, played by Sam Hoy, uh, Cody Jack, played by Carl Macca, and Hatung Sylvia Chang, as well as a new assistant, Salier, must save the day. So uh, we're going to talk the movie really shortly, but Carl Macca, I thought, uh, deserved a little spotlight uh, because he's not only the star of the movie, he's also a behind the scenes driven uh, person. So I'll uh, tell you all about that. Uh, for a short bit here. So actor, producer, writer, director uh, Carl Macca was born in 1944 in the Guangdong province of China and at the age of 12 uh, he moved to Hong Kong. He attended secondary school at uh, Chungzhan English College but his family emigrated to the US in the early 60s settling in New York where Carl furthered his education. He got a Bachelor of Science degree in Electronic Engineering uh, in 1969 at the Polytechnic Institute of uh, Brooklyn, then worked as an engineer at a telephone company uh, post his um, studies, uh, uh, all while he actually was studying something else, film production, in New York at the New York Institute of uh, Photography. He returned to Hong Kong in 1973, uh, forming various companies with filmmaking partners such as Richard Ng, Lau Gaoeng, Raymond Wong, Sam Hung and uh, Dean Sheck. And uh, the the eventual Cinema City being the primary and more financially successful uh, business venture uh, out of all those. Uh, And he started to take uh, reins as a director in the late 70s as well, making movies such as The Good, The Bad and The Loser, Dirty Tiger, Crazy Frog and By Hook or By Crook, uh, which is um, two of those movies star star Samo. Uh, The later is uh, Samo and uh, Dean Sheck, I believe. Uh, he directed uh, 10 movies in total, uh, Karl Macca. Uh, but it was via the co- co-formation of Cinema City and as a comedic actor that Karl Macca would break through uh, commercially. And a uh, shining example being his actual award-winning turn in the action comedy Aces Go Places. Uh, and uh, he, he actually shared an award uh, that year with uh, Samo. Uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, Film Awards were... It's like their second year, and uh, the second year they decided to do a shared thing. Uh, uh, Sam also won the same award, uh, or shared the award, uh, for his performance in uh, Carry On Pickpocket. I guess the Mickey Mouse t-shirt did it. 
That was yeah. That's what took it over the edge, to be honest. All the uh, the fight in the disco, two flock of seagulls. I think that's that was really the best part. Or him doing that uh, that uh, dance with the bread or whatever he did in the disco. <laughs> with the, was it with the tennis rackets? I think it is. Um, maybe so. Yeah, I, I just remember that's a light movie, and at the end that was a brutal movie. Yeah, death, death, and more death. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to Hong Kong Cinema. Uh, all good fun. We should cover that someday. Uh, but anyway, that behind-the-scenes persona of uh, of the eighties um, that Colin Macca, Colin Macca was, um, you know, being one of the men behind Cinema City. That meant we we also got thanks to Macca and his partners uh, movies like Peking Opera Blues, A Better Tomorrow, City on Fire, Prison on Fire, etc. But their extreme success. Because it was extreme, you know. Ace of Cold Places was an early production, boom, success. Every movie was a success. And then those genre movies when with John and Ringo and what have you, they just kept on raking in the money. Uh, but uh, it all took a bit of a downturn after flops such as Undeclared War, Dragon from Russia, starring Sam Hoy, and uh, the uh, Choi Hak produced The Raid. I think uh, Ching Sidong uh, directed that movie. Not a bad film, uh, mm. just uh, one of those things that didn't uh, click with uh, audiences. Uh, so uh, he was pretty much absent from film after that point, Carl Macca, that is. Um, I mean, he, there's credits here and there, I suppose, but one of the more distinctive ones uh, happened when he took part in Clifton Clifton Coast, uh, Winner Takes All in 2000, which uh, I, think, I think was a Lumina New Year comedy. But uh, regardless, it starred Sam Hoy, but it wasn't a big success, leading Macca to admit perhaps his style of family comedy was not for the new millennium. Uh, Maka did go into real estate business uh, post-film, albeit not successfully, as that sector actually suffered a downturn in the 90s as well. Uh, um, and more recently, he had a bit part um, in two scenes, two or three scenes, so it's a more of a bit part slash cameo in Sam Hung's The Bodyguard, uh, Sam who directed it, that not only saw him reunite with uh, that old buddy of his, but also he shared a screen with Dean Sheck and uh, Choi Hak as... Uh, they're, they're a group of old men that Sam interacts with at points. So they they sit down and have um, you know discussions like old men do, just talk about stuff. And uh, it's a lighter section of that movie, not classic and well thought out as such, but it's nice to see. And as I said to your fair, this was something that Sam, being in charge, just decided, hey, I can do that. I I want to have my friends there. And guess what? Poster people. You're gonna do character posters for all of us, you know, including <laughs> the, including my old friends, like in the dashing suits and what have you, and even for Yun Bu, who's not in that movie a lot either. He's in two scenes, I believe. Even Yun Bu got a character poster, so, you know. So yeah. go do, go go create, and uh, uh, it is misleading, but it still made me happy to see. In a way, like Choi Hak, yes, he's old, but it seemed like he's the active one out of that bunch you know what I mean so mm. it's like because Choi Hawk is always doing movies and on the go and uh, doing new visuals and coming up with new thing, new things to put in cinema but to cast him as an old man next to Colm and Dean Sheck is just like okay I guess you could lump him in with those two <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's like the kind of he's like the kind of stood at the uh, the old people's home. Like enjoy Harkis. Do the two are just really jealous, like sitting there with their Zimmer frames going, ah like really kinda of... They even took his glasses away from him, I think. So it's like it's like character acting all of a sudden. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um any any uh, general like uh, like or dislike for Carl Mac's comedy style, because it is big, but if you think of Aces Go Places, uh, you know, starting from one, was that character ever um too much for you? 
No, it fits, man. It fits. It's kind of um, that kind of physical comedy that he brings is is perfect, like tonally perfect for for the series and and the kind of mixed bag, um, the kind of mixed bag of tricks that the series kind of brings. You know, you get everything, and and I think that's just part of it. You know, it sits along with the action really good, and you know, shoots from one thing to the next. And I think that's that's all part of it, man. You know, I've always kind of really, I think, I think to be honest, maybe his, his best films he did was as a producer. Because they say, like you named, you know, a lot of classics uh, there. Um, a lot, and again, like that kind of last part of his career we were talking about. He did produce some some really good films on that back end, and you know, got Tiger on the Beat, and and you got, I think, Magnificent Scoundrels, Stephen Chow comedy he did, and he did a few other bits. So I think, you know, really maybe his, his hand, the best thing he did, kind of, he was dab hand at producing really fantastic films. But as an actor, I think, yeah, he, he was always kind of really good, but. With that Amazingly comedy. enough, because he's so broad, he's this klutz uh, sometimes, and uh, it's certainly never subtle. I've never been able to understand why I think he's so everything funny, especially in the first Ace of Places. He's got this uh, tone and attitude uh, to him that um, just does it for me. I don't know what it is. Um, we had a brand, I think. I think you know that brand of humor, and maybe he wasn't really given the chance to you know do anything else. Unfortunately, at the back end of his career, um, you know, maybe he could have settled down into you know some dramatic acting, or I could I could really see himself as one of those guys you know that shows up in in you know the Johnny Toe film, or you know kind of in the back end as kind of an older character, and I, I really could see him in that role. It's a shame that he never was kind of offered um, those chances. Offered or never took, or you know, you never know what his uh, intent was. But uh, comparing to Dean Sheck, who's normally quite broad and it's not a success all the time, uh, Carl for some reason had a, a different voice where, like I said before, I think where the rhythm is on to the point where I can't really explain why this broad acting works better than yes. what seems like similar broad acting coming from his producing partner over there to write, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe just it's, it's kind of, maybe he's got this kind of lovable, kind of roguish like, charm to him, maybe, which Dean, Dean Sheck doesn't possess. Yeah, no, maybe, exactly, like, I think Sheck that's kind of it. does the same shtick, but without that, that charm, maybe. Yeah, whereas, Carl is you know, very likable, because he looks, uh, he you know, he's, um, yeah, he never comes off as being... Uh, this uh, dick who wants to ruin it for the leading man, a la what Dean Sheck does in Drunken Master and the likes, you know what I mean? Like, and then Carl never comes into like and does silly faces like and have hairy moles on him and shit like that. <laughs> the sounds are the best element. <laughs> An examination that's interesting, like broad versus broad. Like, why does one work? Why does the other one? I don't? think it is that factor, man. It's just that kind of that that charmingness and that kind of likability factor, and really that's. I think something you know you're born with or you're not really at the end of the day. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that people either dig you or, or you don't. You know, depending on you might be doing the same thing, but yeah, I think he just kind of brings that extra level. Do you remember liking his uh, partnership with Samo in Skinny Tiger, Fat Dragon? I don't remember much from the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. I think it's, it's not one of the most memorable uh, films uh, in Samo's filmography, but I, I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, good kind of uh, Bruce Lee riffs on there. Um, you know, see large large portions of it are taken from uh, Running Scared, the Peter Holmes uh, body cop film from the eighties. So there's, I remember, I remember like noticing that and seeing those kind of yeah, those, those kind of riffs on that, and the action was was was, was really good as well. As is it riffing or ripping off? 
No, <laughs> I think there's certain scenes. There's not like shot for shot scenes, but there's certain kind of narrative beats that are taken. But uh, there was no Bruce Lee imitations in, in Running Scared, as far, as far as I can remember. So you win some, you lose some. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, enjoyable. I think he, he was um, good, partnered with Samo. As you say, like, yeah, kind of those, some of those earlier films they did together. Dirty Tiger, Crazy Frog, and um, is, he, no, is he Knockabout as well, isn't he, Carl? Not seen Knockabout, but uh, obviously uh, it's a possibility. Yeah, Odd Couple, and um, he's in The Victim as well, which is quite, I think, an underrated. Uh, he's, he's like an abbot in The Victim, if I remember. And you don't, you don't really recognise who he is. Yeah, he comes on with the kind of the big eyebrows and... Um, the kind of classic... Uh, but I bless you kind of white, thing. White beard, yeah, classic white beard. And, and uh, yeah, you don't really know that it's him um, first looking at him. But I remember, yeah, he's, he's, he, he kind of showed up a lot with uh, Samo's early Kung Fu films. Um, and I think, yeah, the victim's quite underrated. He was, he was good in that. But anyway, so let's move on to Aces Go Places 4 and some quick opinion and a little bit more detailed discussion uh, compared to the other movies this episode. So I'll um, throw it over to you, Tom, again, to uh, tell us briefly what you think of Aces Go Places 4. You only die. Or, or you never die twice, so, sorry, or whatever it is. <laughs> Get it right, Ken. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I mean, before the city and the prison and the school, Ringo Lam brought us Carl Macker on fire, uh, funnily enough. This is where it all started. I like people being on fire. I like my my I like my boss being on fire. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a you know a bit of a pyromaniac. Uh, old, old Ringo is, um, but I think yeah, as I said before, I think it's arguably the best entry in the franchise. You know, with five maybe kind of on on, on that level. Um, it's well paced. I think it's got some of the best action of the series. Again, I think having. Ringo on board, it brings that kind of dark tone to it. Uh, it's speedy, you know, it's got a really nice pace. It kind of goes through from scene to scene and it's got a decent story, you know, and I think it doesn't spend a lot of time messing around. I think it it kind of goes, it moves. And I think with the earlier films, um, the first three, there is that tendency to kind of get bogged down sometimes in skits and it kind of, because it's such a mixed bag, it kind of tends to go from thing to thing um, without any, you know, narrative Um push there but I think with with four and definitely five there's there's a big narrative push there and it moves like a Ringo Lamb film which I think benefits the series and it's it's good it's good to have it different I think if they made a, a film that was similar to the first three in that kind of same feeling that, that that it's kind of a bit of a mixed bag and things you know happening without much narrative punch I think it wouldn't be as successful as as it was so it was good to kind of have them have the team that's already established and the hijinks that's already established but with a you know, a, a solid narrative, even though, you know, Carmack is obviously his science degree didn't come in handy when he was writing the script. We'll, uh, we'll put a pin on it for now and uh, let's um, switch uh, switch opinions here. I uh, not, not quite agree, but it's not about uh, having the best opinion here or, or so anything like that. It's the internet if, you're in, if your opinion is different. Then it it is the internet, be. but I don't play, like I don't play by the rules, man. You don't play no games. It's uh, head and shoulders about many Hong Kong action comedies, of course, uh, production-wise, and the ambition ambition for the series remains great. Uh, they, they they are stepping it up. It is it's rather jarring to see it get more real and more violent, but I do welcome that new feel and voice to the series because you're on part four. You, you got to do something new. Yeah. I think you need the first three to kind of fall in love with the characters so that when you get to four and they're put in these situations, you really you know, feel it, don't you? Because you're so used to that team and come to know them throughout the, throughout the first three. It really works here. For sure, it's a, but, but it is quite hard to take. Yeah, yeah, uh, but anyway, I, I, as much of a pro uh, professional production as it is, and everyone is pro- professional, 
I think personally, and that doesn't mean you are wrong and that I am right. I think personally, everybody is uh, struggling a bit to make the fun come through in this slam dunk fashion. They've held, they've had a high standard before, so I'm, I'm judging it by that, of course. But uh, uh, they, they do try their best. But some banter and even chemistry doesn't achieve the same excellence as prior uh, episodes. But by no means a part you should skip because you can't, you you can't miss some of these sites, including, as Tom said, Carl Mac on fire. And uh, that doesn't mean he's comedically excellent. No, he's on fire. <laughs> he's, li- he's literally burning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that because I think there's uh, stuff to talk about there. So can I just ask you uh, a brief basic question? Do you think Ringo's... No, you can't. Uh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> you think Ringo's voice is seen in here? That that this turn towards darkness is, is him? Um, or, or is this more Aces Got Places formula without deviation, if I'm asking basically? I think I think it's definitely Ringo stepping up and bringing what he maybe maybe a trial run for the tone that he wanted to achieve with his later films. I think he obviously got this voice and he's interested in bringing that dark side, that grittiness to it. That's a good way of putting it, actually. By the way, I, I gotta say, you, I, you kind of nailed it. It's a bit of a trial run for his for his personal lot because it yeah. is, it is a franchise, this. So you can't. Hey, I got an undercover cop story going on here. Can I do that? No. No, they can't. Yeah, it's like I've got this undercover cop story with Charlie and Fat. Um, the Ace Go Places geezers can be there if they want to, but <laughs> you know, I want to kind of get this done. It's like, yeah, it's kind of a trial run in terms of uh, tonally what what he'd achieve with his later films, and I think you know here it works. What we're talking about with you know with with, with Point and No Return, with with Touch and Go, um, with it not really merging, and sometimes with Wall Search, you know, you're saying that kind of tonally it's a bit off. I think I think here it works because it's like. The hijinks are kind of the hijinks, uh, and there's never any kind of crossover. It's kind of like we get the guys doing what they do, and then they're just put into this situation that's dark and and you know involves kidnapping and involves these kind of high intense action scenes. But it it, it, it works. I wouldn't say personally though. For for me, uh, I I don't see Ringo and the creators trying the deepest drama in the world or anything i mean it's it's yes it's a kidnapping and there's a violence uh they kick the shit out of sylvia chang in one scene and uh, and little baldy jr is put in peril but you know you, you care enough but it's not high level uh, dramatic art or anything uh for me uh but uh, of course it's felt when you see you know especially her being like oh, kick, man, kicked yeah. in the stomach and kicked around by these western henchmen and all of that and i think that's going to be a tester for some of these uh, viewers that and it's certain still is for me that I, I don't find the choice unacceptable but it's kind of hard to see and i guess that's a point too that well you've had your phone for free movies the, they, they these people live in the quote-unquote real world so stuff like this might happen you know i'm ringo lab i can do this i'm gonna do it watch me yeah, I know definitely. I agree because that realism too, and that kidnap scene is 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 traumatic. I think it seems like that Ringo really brings you know his talents to to the table. The dark faced god in in uh, in action. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that you know just tonally, it it just it just works for me. And I think again, as you say, yeah, it is, it is a bit of a tester. It's it's quite brutal, but it's it's good. I think especially after the first three, well, it, it's something different. I think if 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 they tried to just reproduce the tone of the first three, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So I think it's good that it stands kind of on its own. And to be honest, you could probably start here if you wanted to with with the films. I think you could just watch it on its own as a Ringo Land film. And maybe maybe you wouldn't get that you know emotional connection to the characters, but I think they're well established. You know when the film starts, and the the only thing I don't think is ever established. I mean, 
it's a basic frame story and you understand what the whole prism is about but weak i don't want to use weak because it isn't attempting much but it's it's certainly in the hong kong version it just drops us in the middle of things and the international version tries to set up a little bit more the the hunt for this prism and what it does and all of that but i think that that's uh so basic that you that I don't know, it just seems like a random idea of this prism that turns you into a Superman. We're scientists, we just said so. You know, okay, well, I, I guess so. Uh, but but it's certainly not fleshed out or anything. And I guess it might be riffing on, you know, transformation uh, stories in movies and TV. Maybe they looked at the Hulk uh, for some reason. Maybe had watched a fly and thought, like, well, we're not going to do that. But trans- <laughs> transformation, yo. And uh, that's it's the eighties. We can do we can do what we want, I guess. But I it it's one of those things where, well, I know the story, but it's uh, it's certainly not uh, breathtaking or anything like that. Um, but it looks big, and uh, I uh, and not smaller and local necessarily, which is a pro to the movie. Like a great yeah. scope aerial photography in New Zealand, which uh, I think the majority of the movie was shot in New Zealand, other than the, essentially the hockey game, I suppose, uh, yeah. where, where you got the Hong Kong actors. So, um, and, and and it isn't as broody as we are making it out to be, because it starts with a silly science scene uh, with Roy Chow as a slightly silly. A doctor like uh, beating up uh, Sam Hoy a little bit and talking of the science of it all. So I mean, it isn't uh, uh, brooding or anything like that. Like it's the Hong Kong movie's bread and butter is to change up moods and all of that. But of course, it's always a challenge to get the audience acceptance. And I have no problem with accepting the mood. I just uh, feel a little bit uncomfortable seeing these characters being terrorized. Yeah, no, definitely, it's hard to stomach at, at times, man. But I, th- I just maybe I'm just yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's just that that nihilism that that Lamb brings to films. It shows up. It's like everyone is fragile. You know what I mean? Everyone can be hurt. Everyone, you know, bad stuff can happen to everyone. I think it fits for me like that. And I, I, again, I just think it just brings great stakes. Yeah, the the, the, the whole the whole thing's silly. And I think yeah, I mean. Macca didn't really use his degree there. I think he just thought, you know what, forget about it. Let's just go kind of silly as possible. But And even when he gives him that, uh, by the way, I want to mention a, a, a well-timed gag when uh, Roy Chow has a problem with his heart and uh, he has one heart pill left and it's on the floor and somehow he runs up like, are you okay? And then steps on the heart pill, which is well-timed. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's Roy Chow out of the picture. I think. The, do you think the international cut's a bit better pacing? Because I, I watching it. This is the first time watching the international cut for me. I, I think I didn't notice anything massively, but I think the beginning makes a bit more sense. I think. Or I think the beginning it starts a bit better. It, it does because we're not dropped in. Like the thing is, when we're dropped into the lab with Sam Hoy's uh, King Kong in the Hong Kong version, you sort of think to yourself, "Well, is this what King Kong is doing? Like pursuing any kind of money earning thingy?" Uh, like like he's a kidney pig. There's no there's no like thing to steal anymore. So, but the international cut adds a little bit more of a run up to it. But it doesn't explain very well why why King Kong is uh, doing what he's doing. I don't look for that. But it is the, the other movies. We get a little bit more sense of what he's uh, doing. That uh, you know he's a thief. But here's a kidney pig. Yeah, I think maybe Rigo was just like, you know what, this shit's just too silly. Let's just like get through this as fast as possible. Let's get onto the darkness. Like, let's get in. Let's get in the shadows quite fast. Because um, yeah, this this kind of whole, you know, science uh, subplot's not not working for me. 
I mean, it's so basic, so I don't mind if uh, if it gets on with it. I don't remember having any pacing problems with either the Hong Kong international versions. Both are quite uh, short. Both have exclusive footage, as I'll talk of later. So they're only a few minutes apart, but the actual the actual differences are greater than that. And one of the big ones that the international versions uh, version doesn't cover is uh, the big ice hockey game uh, between the Hong Kong police and Interpol. And uh, because here they, the local audiences get a, a fun send-up of uh, rivalry between Quan uh, Tak Hin's character and Sek Kin's <laughs> character. And it's all played like it's Wong Fei Hong and whatever villain Sek Kin played in the old black and white movies. Uh, yeah. So that's treating the local audiences to some fun. And it is fun. Expectedly, none of that is like present in the international version because the international audiences wouldn't know this interplay, of course. Yeah, it's very kind of like Hong Kong uh, to Hong Kong kind of audience taste that that scene is. So it, it it works. I think it works in the film. But I think yeah, for an international audience, it was that they were correct in trivia. I, I actually like the hockey sequence a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I, sure. I love that uh, the law are playing a completely illegal hockey game <laughs> because they're yeah, yeah. they just are beating the shit out of each other, cross checking in the back and boarding boarding Carl Macca. And even when they score, like the goal is like out of place, and Carl Macca uh, slides into the crease with the puck, and that counts like a, as a goal. <laughs> so it's like the one time we can ignore um... the rules is in the annual hockey game, I suppose. And I thought that was wonderful. Like it's like it's like slap shot, uh, shot uh, where they just uh, even before the game starts, like people start uh, start beating each other up. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that's uh, that's all good fun. Um, the the action that takes place, uh, we got uh, an action scene uh, post for hockey game in the, the um, in the. Um, changing room and uh, I guess the choreography is quite well tailored to the performance because Sam Hoy is not uh, martial arts trained but they tailor what they can based on his skills with um, them skillful uh, doubling they don't go all out with this Jackie and Samo sequence that uh, is intricate uh, but there is some well uh, conceptualized and shot uh, doubling and elevated skill in the performance, like uh, takedowns with the uh, legs to wrapped around uh, someone's neck and all of that. But they they do a fun thing and a clever thing where um, Sam Hoy walks out of a fight scene like that, completely in pain and crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, as you say, it's realistic. It doesn't turn to like you know, uh, you know, Sam It's a superhuman. Like it, it works as the kind of strengths and the comedic strengths of it. But I think the action, it was action um, director was was Joe Chu on it, and I think his speciality is more in line with kind of Ringo's later stuff. You know, kind of gritty gunplay. Yeah, I think you know he did he did a few um, martial arts films, but I think that's really where his talents lie. So I think. It's not like Samo stuff. It's not the kind of big, um, you know, intricate fight choreography. I think it really works well. A like good use of like location and good use of, of, of the Western actors as well. And 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 Carl Macca is fun because he um, he is running away with the prism at that point and has to. He's like making just noises like he's like he's like I don't know whether he's like giggling or he's just like squeaking. He just makes all these kind of really, really weird noises when he's running around and it's just <laughs> oh, it's, it's hysterical. Paul Fox made a point where we talked of uh, Carl Macca in part one versus three that they started uh, portraying him as 
more dumb as yeah, the series yeah, went on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Joey and Friends. Like it's like it's like it's like, as it progresses on, it just gets like stupid and stupid. So it's you know kind of at the end, it's it's I wouldn't say a character, but yeah, it, it, a character, a character to character. Help me out, Ken. Character, caricature. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that was the thing when he arrived in in the first one. He, his police instincts were quite sharp, even though he was a silly character. I never really minded. Uh, that he got more stupid because Carl Macca still brought that likable energy that I like. So, and it's not high drama, so it's not uh, like they're, they're turning on, uh, turning on us and our, our expectations because the uh, the banter is there, the back and forth banter, and there's still fairly strong chemistry because that's established. And Carl Macca and Sylvia scenes are still funny despite the marriage always being on the verge of. Uh, being a thing of the past, I think. Even, I think there's even uh, an issue of divorce in this one, but uh, that never really comes to fruition, as such. Uh, so the recognizable feel and the recognizable time is there to to a distinct degree. It's not this anti Cisco places movies. So Ringo Lam isn't veering totally, of course, but we are going to see something way different in the second half, of course. So he's doing his job as a franchise director, I think. Yeah. But, but with having his his voice as well, almost like director for hire, but also contributing his own voice, which I think is 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 a tight rope to walk, and I think he does it well. Yeah, I think. I mean, it it, it worked for the audiences. Uh, it it was yeah. a success, and uh, I think the fourth and fifth are the, were they the, the biggest in terms of the box office as well. Like they literally just got better and better. They I did. Think, they did. Was... Isn't that amazing that uh, the draw of uh, you know. <laughs> And uh, and these characters, they, they it never stopped. They could have made eight, I eight of these. TLC. <laughs> <laughs> Slap bass. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, they could have made eight, eight of these movies, and I think it would have worked out. I think they never made a sixth one because they were verging on uh, those uh, uh, the, the, those risky ventures had done something financially to the company by that but point. But Ken, they did make a sixth one. We already mentioned it and how good it was. Uh, a ninety seventh. One, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love you. They didn't release it in America because uh, they thought the public would possibly uh, think that it was a 97th film in the series. Guys, we need to retitle this. Yeah, we need to retitle this. I'm not even sure if they ever did uh, the fifth one because uh, I'm sure there was a dub made, but at least Atlas, who actually are responsible for their Mad Mission international versions one through four, that's on DVD and things like that. At least they didn't handle the fifth one because um, uh, uh, I don't know why uh, it wasn't terribly local. I think there surely was some action and uh, compelling yeah. international elements there because it certainly has not surfaced anyway. The the English dub for Aces Go Places Five, but um, uh, there you go. Uh, by the way, what do you think of Little Baldy Junior? Oh, he's 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 cute and he's 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 funny and uh, yeah, he's good. I think he, he did a few films with Carl Macker this time, didn't he? I think what's that Christmas film? That Merry Christmas. Oh, good call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that Christmas or a call? Like, is it, is it like a Midsummer Night's Dream? Is it, uh, <laughs> is it the Happy Lunar New Year? No, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so cute and, and funny and then not annoying, to be honest. So in the dub, it, no, it does have an annoying voice in the dub, but obviously it's kind of quite generic, like little kids, you know, voice in the dub, but it, it still works. still works a lot. Little uh, Cyrus Wong is credited as Baldy Jr., but the, the, the actor's name is Cyrus Wong. She came because he didn't. He did some films in the, in the early two thousands. I think he came back a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Did a few few films that yeah come back, but I haven't. I don't know. I don't think he's been heard of for a few years. They, they I think they do a clever thing here because he, he's put in peril uh, and stuff like that, and uh, seemingly it's him. But 
I think they do a clever thing here of matching his, uh, you know, dropping gradually alongside of a building. You know, he's tied to a rope or like a, an, an antenna cable. So obviously they're not going to do that for real and uh, the shots are close to the ground. But some shots require slightly longer falls. And in the outtakes, it looks like they have a slightly older, you know, teenager or something like that. Acting as the stunt double for Baldy Jr., because it's not like they cut to an adult taking the fall or anything. No, no, no. Can you, can you imagine? <laughs> Bring in Baldy uh, Senior. <laughs> yeah, he definitely uh, and is uh, you know he's milking his biscuits out there for hundred percent, hundred percent. He's in he's in um, the Joint O film, isn't he as well? Yeah, I think he's in a couple of them. I just remembered. I can't actually remember him in the films, but I think he's in he's in Lifeline. He's in Too Many Ways to Be Number One. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't quite, I can't quite picture him in, but I, I remember. Yeah, I mean, come, you know, he did that. Comes back words with Johnny So you, you can't, you know, can't argue with that, can you? He didn't uh, get scarred uh, via his experiences here. So, um, <laughs> yeah. one thing I don't think that clicks, and and um, I'm disheartened to to say that is in actuality Sam Hoy and Salia. I love Salia. I think she's a very very funny actress, good dramatic actress, excellent singer. I don't know. It's uh, she. She is the daughter of Roy Chow's character, and she keeps following around Sam Hoy, uh, calling him hubby, husband, hubby, 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 hubby. I. They try so much with their lively interaction and her, you know, wide eyed look and screams and everybody being in peril, and there's no click comedically. And I so I'm so disappointed to say that it's one of those things. Like, well, we doing things that we're familiar with and we can get away with banter we don't need to write 20 elaborate gags verbal gags or anything we just have fun together they sure have i think it looks like it but i don't think it clicks cinematically and that's a negative for me that uh, that doesn't fly uh, that uh, section because we are going to spend time with them as they travel to new zealand to get up to yeah. shenanigans and hijinks in uh, runaway planes and things like that yeah, I think that scene is in the um, it's the shop, isn't it? Oh god, god, I hate that scene it so definitely, much. <laughs> it definitely is one of the moments in the film that slows it down a little bit. It feels like a bit of a segue. It feels like a bit of a skit kind of thing, and uh, they were probably best just kind of cutting cutting that out. But I, I, I kind of, I, I don't think they've got the best chemistry in the world. Um, I don't think there's a lot of really big laughs out of it, but. It, it, it's sweet enough, and it's just it's just nice to see that you know, kind of those two together. But yeah, I, I'm saying I'm a big, big, big Sally O fan. Again, I think I expect excellence for some reason, but she has logged excellence. It Sam, must be excellent. It must be, otherwise I'm out. I, I do like the image of uh, Sally uh, <laughs> when they're about to go on the plane, that runaway plane, which is a, a, a funny thing. Uh, she has, uh, they load up with guns and she has loaded up with this big machine gun that is heavier than she is, you know. So she's trying to drag that essentially across the ground. So cute. Doing it, as well. it is really yeah. cute. She, she, she sells that, but, um, it's, it's not memorable, uh, as such. Um, but they're, they're, they're abroad. Obviously they're in New Zealand. Um, and a, a Hong Kong, a Hong Kong movie taking its show abroad. I always like, and, uh, it's uh, very admirable, and there's some good car stunts and all of that. But um, it's um, I've, I've had more fun with the Aces Go Places series. Like, like I don't get bored by this, but I'm not wowed as such anymore. But 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 then they, you know, they started to cast internationally through mainly number three. You you might remember they had Richard Keel in there. Yeah. They had Peter Graves from uh, Mission Impossible the TV series, an airplane. And in this movie, they who did they reach out to from? Uh, 
uh, a certain Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, they bring. Yeah, yeah, they kind of. Uh, they, they, I think that's one of the things about the series is that they always kind of. It's never kind of overbearing. It's always quite interesting the uh, the little uh, cameos they put in from the uh, the Western cast in there. But yeah, bringing in bringing in Ronald Lacey um, from Raiders and you know playing as you said virtually the kind of exact same role visually. And he, uh, you know what killed me? And this should have killed the feel of the movie in the Hong Kong version anyway. He introduces himself as the guy who was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> meaning that he's a guy who is actually a villain in real life who has a scar. Just like in the movie. Yeah, same scar. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like just bonkers uh, thinking. But it, it, it works. It, it works. I think it worked in a previous film. Like it's breaking the fourth wall a bit. Like it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of aware that it's a film and this these actors from other films and, you know, but it's fun. No, it really works. Like, do you remember me from Raiders of the Lost Ark? Hi, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the funny thing is uh, that the international version or the ones who dubbed it did not think that was funny or logical. So they, they actually, <laughs> the, the same scene where they mention Raiders, they, they simply make up a new dialogue instead. We need to keep the mystique um, <laughs> to, to this. We, we, we can't go at that. It's too, you know, it's too <laughs> on the nose, that is, guys. Just some minor notes. I, I mean, we, 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 we're going to mention the big thing during the finale, but uh, I think uh, the uh, when we see the fruition of the experiment, the Superman setup, which is just something they say, and they do, and they pour on the special effects, and apparently it works. You know, that, but that's still immensely fun and freaky, because they, uh, they set up uh, Carl Macca and with some prosthetics on him, to make sure his uh, various uh, body parts uh, blow up, you know, including his uh, chest, his arms, and the tip of his fingers, which is all, yeah. you know, balloons essentially. So it's, yeah. but it looks freaky as hell, and I think that's marvelous looking, actually. It's 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 movie magic, isn't it? Yeah, it's like that kind of thing. You kind of almost think I kind of maybe know how that's done, but it's just it just works completely. Like like it's it's funny and it's almost like grotesque at the same, same because, time. Because if you notice the finger, it's not like you see uh you know when a balloon uh, when a balloon isn't filled with air, you know it's a little for lack of a better word limp, floppy. But they manage to the finger, the top of the finger does not look floppy. It just go it, it goes back in the same position. The rubber finger, and I think that's rather well done. You know, probably simple. I think it's funny. I think Carl Mack has his best line here because, you know, when the special effect lights hit him, like he shouts and twitches, ah, then it stops and he says, it's all right, I'm just scaring myself. <laughs> it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Kodo Jack. Kodo Jack. Like, if, you, if you're going to amuse yourself in that moment, why not, uh, why not go all out? <laughs> Any particular highlights during the finale, whether fight action or like, like pre on fire? Any particular highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 just just things just happen, and yeah, like the um, it's it's just a lot of, of peril and a lot of peril for the cast, and a lot more danger, and yeah, there's just some good some good kind of hits and and falls and things exploding, and uh, you know the sparks, and there's just there's so much going on, kind of visually, it's a real treat to see um it's like the end of a bond film or something with the, the villain's hideouts just getting destroyed it's uh you know similar to that it really brings a kind of james bond feel that you know may be lost in this film in the in the series you know that was kind of going that they kind of went for it a bit more in the earlier films yeah it was more gadget heavy and and, and this really doesn't attempt being gadget heavy which is a f- perfectly acceptable choice because you know a bond movie could be rooted too it could have a big ending and a big 
uh, you know, elaborate villain setup and, you know, take it over the world by making everybody Superman or whatever. That That's a James Bond movie too, but this one doesn't have, you know, uh, Sam Hoy ziplining across buildings and things like that, you know. Or, yeah, like if, if, if Ace of Good Places 3 was the Moonraker of the series, uh, Ace of Good Places 4 is the For Your Eyes Only, if you know what I mean. There's, yeah, it's, sure. it's, got, it's got that kind of similar, similar uh, you know, transition uh, to be a bit more grounded, but, both, you know, both, uh, you know, fantastic and got their own. And admittedly, I think the peril and the drama uh, works a little bit better here because I think Sylvia brings yeah, that I've out heard. because she, uh, without spoiling it, uh, you know, she looks um, distraught in certain moments here and it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's it's not, it's been a rocky journey getting to it but she is such a good actress that she can sell that that's uh, her uh, suffering and... Um, she goes for it at the end, yeah, she goes for it and I think that, I think her, her acting um, is what Kind of makes it a lot more emotional, lots so of make more, makes it a lot more. It, it, it puts characters in more peril. Really, it makes it feel more dangerous because it's kind of so emotional, um, and it really, really works. And they never really made their romance, subsequent marriage, this classically built up thing. It's based on mostly silliness, you know what I mean? But but still. <laughs> Like the best relationships. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> like there's no courting or whatever, and they have an antagonistic relationship. And by two, they're getting married. Like Carl Macca, like interrupts the service because Sam Hoy runs into it and has some silly dialogue. There's a, and he has a wig on in that uh, when he gets married as well. So it's it's been all silly, but still, it's you you care enough. And Carl Macca has some uh, uh, non-verbal acting where he has to use his eyes literally to um, you know establish that uh, they're, they're certainly not drifting apart. You know, without spoiling it. So there's, effect, there's affection there. It's not overtly, and obviously got quite a bit of an antagonistic relationship. But I think that's you know what's what makes their the relationship interesting. Because she puts up with a lot of crap. From a lot of shit. Because he yeah. runs his mouth. He's one of those characters that just runs his mouth. You know, what I mean, uh, uh, which is fun. That, that that makes their interaction actually a lot of fun. She she's not this weakly portrayed woman or anything because she because because she's got balls. She she's got attitude and she beats the shit out of him in two with a baseball bat because he. Runs his mouth uh, again so so it's it's not a bad role for a woman necessarily not the greatest role for a woman but she's um the, the only crime they did towards her is essentially leaving her out of large part of uh, part two which i personally did not mm. like she and i've forgotten if she's even in five or she if she bailed she didn't come back no she got a cameo in five if i remember okay I think yeah I'm sure sure she had a cameo in it she should have like a, t- a TV screen or something like that I think or something like that I'm trying to think or a pit there's a there's some kind of yeah I'm trying to think if there's a scene but I'm sure something like that um, it, it, she pops up for a second in it but yeah she wasn't given uh, main billing and she wasn't kind of brought back for a, for a beefy role uh, in the well, well she kept herself busy acting and directing so yeah, sure, no she obviously no she was good she's good <laughs> uh, it's impossible to not talk of it because it's um it's the crowning achievement of this movie. Uh, so uh, uh, let let it fly. What do you think of uh, Carl Macca's fire stunt in this movie? You don't need you don't need to give context because we we will keep it spoiler free that way. But uh, what do you think of his uh, fire stunt? I think it's 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 ballsy and and I think one of the best fire stunts ever committed to to celluloid. It's it, it's amazing. Like I think it's it, it's dangerous. And then when you see the outtakes, you feel it more and you respect it more. I think it, it's dangerous and like it's thrilling at the time. But then when you watch the outtakes it, it makes it kind of 
even more it just real you realize kind of how dangerous it was and kind of the, the the situation he put himself in with it but yeah i mean dude that wouldn't happen in a hollywood film like there's no way you'd get one of your leading men's hellfire you know to that extent well certainly not the writer and producer of the film <laughs> no no not you know it's kind of like you know it's kind of the but it's riding a bit on him being alive so <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah you know, a little bit. So, um, you know, there's no way they would have done it um, in a Hollywood film. Well, here's the kicker. One, it's a large burn, uh, 70 80%. Yeah. He's wearing a sleeveless thing, right? He's not protected by layers. It's the gel that protects him, and he burns for a while. So it's risky as heck. And also, by the way, it's not like he does it in one position only. He flips from stomach to back. And that's over, that's baby. just is makes it like a, like a mondo film in in like <laughs> created in front of you because that is peril. Like that, that is actual peril. Someone's it's not like infernal infernal affairs two shit going on here where they uh, add the fire afterwards to offer Wong or whoever was set on fire in that one. Nope. Call Maka on fire, for real, no way to fake that, and he did it for a fairly extended period of time. I mean, uh, a 10 second burn, maybe, it's a slow motion scene, so, but still, that's a long time. And especially if you're not, if you're sleeveless, that gel is gonna, you know, the fire is gonna burn through that gel at some point. Yeah, it's give you. It's gonna keep going and and burning through it at some point. Um, but I think dude, even one second being on fire is 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 a long time. Like just to feel that, but to go ten and to kind of roll around and you know to continue acting to kind of keep your shit together and act is 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 crazy. It just got, it just shows the extent and the kind of creativity that you know Hong Kong cinema had at, at this kind of point in time and and why we all love it to be honest why we do this show really if you think about it is you know what kills me too that they don't they design the scene as the characters trying to put them out then the fire extinguishers come in you know what i mean like so they're they're merely like swatting him with blankets for a beat or two and he still has the presence of mind because the stuntman has said this to him that once the scene is done you lay down stretch out your arms and we'll take care of the rest you know you gotta have that trust factor as well, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a, that's gonna be the GIF for this episode. Mac on fire. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's a good subtitle, man. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so I have no other notes. I'm just gonna throw out some uh, some international version notes, uh, re- repeat some, and then add some notes about what was cut and things like that. So before we do that, anything else you want to say about Ace's Go Places Four? I, I do want to say that I think it's arguably the best of his um, Ringo Lam's pre On Fire films. I think if you'd agree with that, I think I know we probably got yeah. yeah I mean, the other ones it, were as Esprit more acceptable. The other side of Gentleman, not Team Tam, and Cupid one. Oh, okay, but goes off the rails and uh, yeah, yeah. As, as as we discussed with them, but I think um, with this, yeah, his voice is there and it's it's. It's starting to show up, and and kind of his his flavor that he brings to cinema is is kind of it's there, it's present, and it's only going to get kind of better from better from here. Nineteen eighty six was a good year for Cinema City, you know, based on two movies alone, Better Tomorrow and this one. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I mean, just any year with those two films coming out, kind of you know from the same country within, you know, with the same some of the same production crew, and it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, really good. The creativity was just just staggering. Uh, but as for the international version of the film, Mad Mission Four, you only die twice. Because I, I need to look up, look up the title. It's because I because I want to say it like a James Bond. You know, you only live, uh, you only live, Robin, and you would never die. 
Yeah, but uh, regardless, it was released as Mad Mission uh, Four, and um, all movies had different versions abroad, uh, but uh, you know, shortened uh, from uh, the original edits uh, to make it uh, less Hong Kong local, which is uh, a perfectly fine choice. But it was from part three and onwards that, uh, well, for three and four, I don't know how five was edited abroad because I haven't seen an international version but regardless it was from part three where we got alternate exclusive footage in the, in the international version which was uh, cool for part three because we got sync sound dialogue in peter graves scenes uh, uh, his uh, solo scenes and then the shared scenes with the cast uh, from hong kong even though the cast from hong kong they spoke english with peter graves they were dubbed but peter graves still was kept in sync sound for his scenes but uh, it's the same for part four it has exclusive footage it's a few minutes shorter but more is taken out and then some is put in including a fairly lengthy opening that mm. uh, contains a little bit of comedic stabbing uh, <laughs> accidental stabbing. Isn't it always comedic. In this movie, the, the bad guys chasing the prism are, are a little bit of clumsy folks, and uh, it's, it's still not fleshed out very well. What, why Sam Hoy? How he started his adventure and how he got to that part of the adventure. But we see some pre uh, pre scenes before he ends up in Roy Chow's uh, laboratory. You know. And, uh, you know, establishes the cooperation with the professor that's behind it to a degree. It's still unclear, really. And uh, But, you know, it's there. The international version tried a little bit more uh, to, to flesh out a little bit more. And clearly it was shot at the same time. So the attempt was to do it in some shape or form. It just didn't end up in the Hong Kong version. The editing choices were made in a different manner. And this is how the international version opened uh, so there's like six minutes uh, of uh, stuff there there's also a scene where Carl Macca shows the uh, prison t- uh, after the hockey game to his superior which replaces the scene that has him uh, sort of bragging at the police station of how great he was you know escaping <laughs> the bad guys and then Sylvia Chang comes in and uh, you know berates him I think as she always does uh, it, it was nice because clearly Carl was uh, performing in English with uh, his uh, western superior in the police station so yeah. that, that was nice to see it looked like he was comfortable uh, going back and forth but but it isn't sync sound though well if call um as you said, i think you said studying in brooklyn studying in new york i'm sure he, he was quite competent at, at that point speaking english very much so yeah so it, it, it certainly looks like it uh there's some local comedy cuts um expectedly the the whole uh, referencing back to wong fei hong through the casting of kwanta hing and sekin and walter cho during the hockey game that's expectedly cut at that point also during the ending when they come back um, so and also the international version got a fairly long set of outtakes uh, during the end credits, including yeah, yeah. Um, alternate angles for the fire stunt that you see as the sole outtake in the Hong Kong version. The Hong Kong version has a like, tighter like floor shot of Karl Macca. The international version's outtake is uh, a little bit more of a distant shot, but um, that's not the only sort sort of like um, joy. Obviously, it's a long set of uh, fun outtakes. They dubbed the outtakes, which is funny. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like it's not the original like, oh, production. Quick, quick, get him out! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I get my line? Uh, what's the line? Uh, so it's not the original production audio, but uh, it was cool to see. Um, outtakes here, and also for my benefit or many others, uh, we got Sam's. Friends, Friends, Friends song appearing in English here, which it sadly did not for the interna- international version of part two, where it uh, concludes the film. Uh, and Sam 
clearly also capable um, at least singing in english i always like his english language uh, songs so la 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 friend la 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 friend so you know how can you dislike a song called friends 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 you can't it's impossible <laughs> uh, unfortunately i haven't heard if he ever did an english version of the main aces go places um, theme uh, but uh, we, we we certainly get the gist of it because they translate it in um, in this movie and uh, other other, other uh, movies as well. So, didn't you didn't you post that ages ago or something? On um, I'm sure I'm sure I've heard that. Well, well, the private that. eyes theme has been available oh, in English. Oh like, yeah, of course. Man, we don't yeah. carry guns or pick yeah. up pretty ladies chased by angry dogs. <laughs> we might pick up the rabies when questions are asked. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's it, dude. Yeah, rather that's run than fight. We da da na 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 na. So good. Yeah, so good. We know who was right into who, when and where, and the number of the room. He's gone. Go away! It. He's done. He's gone. He's, he's somewhere else now. <laughs> private eyes. Private Ken. Private Ken. He's lost his chance. <laughs> That's a wonderful song. Uh, so yeah, uh, Ringo Lam actually did an interview that was uh, made available on the Hong Kong DVD. So I actually made some notes on what he said there it's like it's um spoken over audio clip so it's not an on-camera interview but he talks of that this was more of an assignment that he was given rather than um, coming up with it himself which is evident of course this was uh, he was hired as a franchise director but uh, he, he was not sure why he was picked necessarily but he admired his boss Carl Macca and took on the challenge despite feeling uh, green you know as a filmmaker yeah. Uh, he mentions the plane crash on the road in New Zealand was an accident, but it was worked into the script. The plane crashes into a van. That was not supposed to happen. So they worked that into the script uh, with uh, Sam Hoy and Salia <laughs> crashing into the van. Um, so they had Sylvia Chang for one week, and uh, she they still managed to get that much screen time uh, uh, out of her, which is the Hong Kong cinema uh, way of working things. That's you know, why, uh, that's amazing. And he says that you don't necessarily direct kids, you guide kids, um, you don't instruct them, and if they're smart, their instincts kick in, and therefore he was praising the performance of uh, Cyrus Wong. So uh, you didn't need to be like dictatorial with um, with him. That's so, cool. So yeah, so some notes from, from, uh, from Ringo himself. Awesome. Uh, so, as for availability of Aces Go Places Four, uh, Fortune Star holds the right to the th- rights to the film and the series, and have put out one through five on Blu-ray and in a Blu-ray box set. Uh, there's also single editions available. Uh, knowing Fortune Star, this is probably an upscale of their DVD versions and contain remixes only. But um, that DVD set uh, is out of print uh, currently. Uh, I do have it. I-, I got it back in the day. Uh, it. Looks great. Um, sound is um, varies throughout the movies. They, they, there's genuine mono maybe on one, one and two, meaning part one and two. Then the rest of them are these odd, uh, not furrowed down mixes, but they have uh, not echoey sound effects, but like they're layered in twice in certain instances. It sounds like uh, so. So it literally sounds like an echo a little bit. If you switch to the remixes, which also varies in sort of quality between the movies. That issue is not there. But the remix for Aces Go Places 4, it's more noticeable with new effects in the first half. Then it gets a little bit better. They don't go to town remixing it, uh, which is a shame. But uh, I um, I know 2 and 3 was not particularly well done, and 5 was not particularly well done either. So it's, I think 1 and 4, 1 seemed like genuine mono, and 4, as I said, 
the the remix, uh, which I do recommend choosing over this echoey echoey bullcrap. Yeah. That's a shame, that is. Well, it's Fortune Star working. They have no real, real clue what, what they're doing, unfortunately. That consistency. <laughs> you, know, you know, no QC, let's just say. Uh, one through four was... Uh, I mean, it's okay to watch. If you find it for a reasonable price, I think you should look up the DVD because you have a greater chance to see some of the movies in original mono, whereas the Blu-rays, because they always did this. I'm convinced it's the same. For the Aces Go Places Blu-rays, they probably only have the 5.1 on there. It's not a space issue. <laughs> that audio would fit on there. Definitely not a space issue. Uh, as for Mad Mission, the international versions, they were released uh, internationally. And uh, Anchor Bay collected all of these uh, movies uh, in a box set um, with uh, those said shortened edits. Uh, some edits featuring exclusive footage. And that box set, uh, even when we did... A review of the first movie, Aces Go Places 1, that box set was still available. That was shocking to me, because it's old. And it's also available, not for a jacked price, but you can buy it for like 20 bucks. Which is a steal, because these Atlas prints that, um, I think they originate from Germany. These prints look great. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, they don't have any extras as such, but uh, it's uh, four movies for 20 bucks and four quality movies. Even though I didn't like didn't like this as much, that's still a fun way to watch these movies. And I gotta say, they're very well dubbed. You expect Carl Macca, right, Tom, to have a certain type of dubbed voice, right? <laughs> and they get it right to me. They do get it right. They, they do, don't they do. dub it the Dean Sheck way. No. no. <laughs> but they, he is more like New York. New York style cop. Like, like if you listen to one at least, I don't know if the same if it's a, if it's the same English dubber. But the first movie, he's got this like New York cop attitude, but not this grating one. And it was delightful to to listen to because one, we got new voices. Two, it's actually well performed. Yeah, I, I think because it was my first time watching the international version of this, and I was I was I was impressed definitely. Just that adds to the kind of fun, doesn't really, doesn't take away. So, so they had, regardless if the, those dubs were produced by Atlas or produced in Hong Kong, at least they got some new people this time around because Hong Kong dubbers are not, uh, for English, are not plentiful. So that's why you heard so many similar voices throughout the decades. Next time, I got no announcement of uh, exactly what lineup of movies uh, we're going to do, but I expect we're in school and prison on fire territory. So expect, you know, at least four uh, movies. Two quick free um, movies, rather. or maybe four. If we've covered another Ringo Lam movie, I don't remember if we have. But regardless, uh, two quick takes and a main movie at the very least. And um, I, I, I think I can smell uh, School on Fire being being one for you main power. I can smell what it. Does it what, what does it smell like? The blood and the broken glass <laughs> and the anger. You know, the sweat. Yeah, it's a sweaty, it's a sweaty, gritty, broken glass. Scratches, the fiery, the evil anger. Broken world, broken characters, broken bones, <laughs> arms chopped. It's a violent movie, kids. It's it's a film for all ages, basically. Can you imagine that some critic says that that movie glamorizes the triad lifestyle? I don't think anyone would like to be Roy Chung in that movie. No, it really looks at that kind of shittier aspect of it, you know, that, that non-glamour side to it, that kind of, you know, working your way up and that real kind of small town, uh, you know, version of a gangster. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, really, it's really interesting. Even if you like Young and Dangerous, you can claim that movie is glamorizing it because it makes it look sexy. 
Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you know, popcorn take yeah, on, exactly. on the gangsters, on the Hong Kong gangsters. Uh, some some said School on Fire wasn't violent enough, <laughs> 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 which I wonder if they watch one of those super short versions of School on Fire where there's this. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of different versions now, yeah. isn't there? So. Let me something we can get into. So someone left twenty minutes too early, you know. Not violent enough. Like <laughs> you missed, you missed yeah. something, sir or ma'am. But uh, regardless, uh, we, we'll announce it. But but in the meantime, uh, we have been doing the director series. We are available on podcastonfire.com as the podcast on fire network. So if you dig Hong Kong movies, Japanese movies, Korean movies, sleazy movies, movies with ninjas in them, and movies with commentary on them, if you like bonus episodes or things, I love bonus episodes. Then it's all there. Yeah, uh, listenable. Hopefully. Selectable, definitely. If I'm not on it, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've missed your voice, uh, very much so. I'm bad, but yeah, back from the dead. I've been resurrected, like 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 Jesus, but with, um, you know, less turning water into wine. Yeah, that's a level uh, to operate at. <laughs> I'm, I'm working towards that, though, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I forgot, sorry, you're on a tangent, but I forgot to mention that um, that Mad Mission set. I don't know which version it is, but it's got the, the figures, hasn't it, of Carmack, uh, must be a new thing. Uh, I, I I thought it was a, for lack of a better word, a toy. I don't think it, I, I didn't know it was the movies within. Uh, I thought it was a statue. Oh, I might be getting yeah, I might be getting confused. I saw it knocking about the other day, like, and I just was, was I assumed it was just the kind of the set, the DVD or the Blu-ray set. But have you seen have you seen that those figures? Have you? Uh, so someone sent me a link uh, to it. Yeah, and uh, as good as it looked, uh, my snarky comment was that where's Sylvia? And come oh, to man. think of it, where's Baldy yeah, Junior? No, <laughs> yeah, because you've only got yes, yes, Sam, Carl. It would have been good with uh, with those two on it. Maybe you know Baldy Junior sticking out a window or something would have uh, would have been nice. We threw him off <laughs> the statue because that's what <laughs> yeah. we did in the movie. You, you could have him on your shelf, like those three just standing there, and then like Baldy just uh, Baldy Junior just on the floor, just upside down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, who knows? It might might have been a movie set, but uh, I, I my, my feeble mind uh, went to the okay a statue because we. we or, or doll, dolls or whatever because we get that kind of merch for Hong Kong movies you got a Michael Wong doll you have Chai and Fat and what have you so that's where I was going but I might be totally wrong I, th- I think so I can't seem to find the pictures now I don't know where I saw it or where it was but we'll have to uh, I'll have to find it um, have a little look see yeah but no really awesome really awesome detail on there uh, but uh, regardless um there's your show lineup we have something for everyone hopefully uh click the various buttons to reach us on social media including facebook uh, twitter itunes subscribe to us on itunes we would very much appreciate that and uh, listen to us on stitcher radio and what have you and all relevant um links to all of that uh, will be available in the show post as well as other relevant links for this uh, show in particular that's us buddy for this director series where we're uh, a uh, good fourth in or third into the career and what have you. Uh, and uh, so that, that's, that, that's that for this episode. Next time, um, tune in and uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, deepen our uh, our appreciation for uh, Ringo Lam a little bit more now, now that we can revisit them a little bit more in tighter tighter order and a tighter fashion. So uh, that'll be fun. So thank you, Tom, and uh, for your insights as always. Pleasure as usual, man. And uh, I've been Kenny B. And uh, with me was Tom KW. So take us out. See you later. And be my very best friend. Action! Go! Like a diamond, I'm your best friend.